This is Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Learn what C-suite execs and business leaders have learned in the real-time, real-world school of hard knocks. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Hi, this is Mark Hinderleiter. Welcome to Real Business in Real Time. I'm an executive coach and I hold a PhD in organization and management. But the truth is, my greatest lessons in business come from the school of hard knocks, particularly when I was a senior vice president for a billion dollar global company. So the purpose of this show is for listeners to benefit from the real world experiences of successful men and women willing to share their greatest lessons. My guest today is Meredith Bell. Meredith has been an entrepreneur since 1982, and she's an expert in helping companies developing the people side of their business. Meredith is co-founder and president of Performance Support Systems, a global software company based in Virginia. Their assessment and development tools support ongoing improvements in a leader's performance. Business consultants, executive coaches, and human resource leaders use their products to help managers become more effective leaders. You know, I've known Meredith for over 15 years, and for my money, Meredith and her co-founder, Denny Coates, are the most knowledgeable people I know about leadership and human development. I've had many great conversations with Meredith, and I'm looking forward to one more. So Meredith, welcome to Real Business in Real Time. Thank you, Mark. I'm so excited to be here with you today because you're right. We've had a lot of great conversations and I know today will be one more. Yep. Well, thank you for being on the show. Today's topic is the dirty little secret about leadership development. Meredith, I have seen so many articles from Forbes, Inc. Magazine, Harvard Business Review saying pretty much the same thing that American companies waste billions of dollars every year on leadership training that doesn't pay off. Does that sync with your experience? Uh, Unfortunately, yes, it does. Mark, Denny and I have both, you know, studied the effects of, of training, development, whatever leadership initiatives. And the numbers are rather staggering when you look at the money that's invested versus the return that companies actually get from that investment. And the problem, of course, is the way training is conducted. People often don't understand what's really required to go from formal learning about a topic to actually implementing it back in the workplace. And that's why the money is often wasted because the elements that are required to cause that training to really stick in someone's head are missing. And companies often are, you know, spending amazing amounts of money for these events that are great experiences for people, but don't result in the, not just retention, but application of the skills that have been introduced. Yeah, you know, and I've learned that firsthand, Meredith, the hard way, because I was one of those folks that was delivering those great events, you know, that were leadership workshops, and they were great events, and there were a lot of benefits to them. But I learned kind of down the road as the head of HR uh, for this company that 
the same issues kept cropping up. And I thought to myself, what is going on here? I know I've taught these folks how to lead the right way, and yet I didn't see behavior changing. Is that, is that what you're talking about? Exactly. Yes. And, you know, Denny and I, before we started the software company, were trainers and consultants ourselves. So we experienced this firsthand too, back in the day when we were getting rave reviews for our training programs. But a year later, when we asked, well, how's it going? You know, we consistently, it seemed like, heard, well, not much has changed. Yeah. Yeah. Great event, though, wasn't it? With with good feedback. So what was the epiphany for you? When, when and how did you learn along the way that we've got to do something different here? Well, Denny has studied, you know, how the brain learns for a long time. And so it was a combination of things, one being our own experience with training and looking at why wasn't that behavior changing, but also when we pivoted to be a software company in 94 and we created a customizable 360 feedback tool, we noticed there also that, you know, people would get this excellent feedback. The company, again, invested a lot of money in distributing these questionnaires to people who were stakeholders of the leaders being assessed. Right. They went through this debriefing, they got information, and sometimes they even identified, okay, here are my strengths, here's where I need to improve, but then nothing happened there. So we started looking at, all right, so what's happening in both of those situations where there's this event that happens, people get information that ought to be an incentive, motivation to make changes but then nothing happened. And so we realized there were some elements that were missing that need to come together to create this lasting impact instead of just temporary disbursement of information. Right, right. So how did you start applying that in in your business? Well, we got to thinking about what are the pieces that need to happen in order for that kind of transformation to exist. So one of the things, before I talk about what we put together, we knew from all the things Denny had studied, and then I also studied too, was that when people come to training for especially those soft skills, like listening or receiving feedback, they don't come as a blank slate. They already have habits that they've created on how they listen, how they give or receive feedback or work through conflict. And even if they're introduced to new skills in a classroom, that doesn't mean it's going to override the old way. And a good example of that would be if if anyone who's listening has ever paid a pro to give them lessons, say, to improve their golf swing or their tennis swing, and you've paid this coach or this pro for that lesson, what happens if you don't practice afterwards and get feedback along the way, you're likely to revert back to the way you've always done it. And it's because the way you've 
been introduced to is different. It's awkward. It doesn't feel natural. And so there has to be follow-up after any new skill is introduced, particularly if you're trying to get it to override the old skill. Because physically what has to happen in the brain is you have to rewire the brain and actually set a pathway in place where the new one becomes stronger than the old one. It's sort of like thinking about a dirt road that you want to turn into a super highway, right? You've gotten introduced to these new skills, but man, it's bumpy if you try <laughs> driving on that uh, dirt road initially. It, there's a construction phase that has to take place. And it's a very tempting along the way to revert over to that smoother road that you've been on all that time. And so it's, what's required, the elements are practice, and then you need support along the way because you're not going to do it right initially. In fact, sometimes it gets worse because you're consciously trying so hard that you're not doing the old way very well and you're not doing the new way very well. So you come up with something that doesn't work well at all. So it is really important, I think, to have some kind of support in the form of coaching and also in the form of feedback and encouragement from others as you're working on this. <clears throat> so I've had that experience, not only from the teaching side, but from the learning side. If I'm learning something new, until I really have it, it's really easy for me to go back into default mode, isn't it? Uh, the way I the way I used to do it. Yes. Under pressure. Uh, I just go back to the way I've always done it. It's comfortable. And it's just really easy to stay stuck in what's comfortable, isn't it? Well, it is. And that's the thing. Unless we have some kind of penalty or um, pain associated with it, we often aren't committed to the change. And I'll tell you, I spoke to a fellow that was a very seasoned executive from one of the Fortune 500 companies. He was working for a different company, but he had retired after... I want to say 35 years with this company. And he was a fairly high-level executive who had been to countless trainings over the years. And he told me, you know, not one time after any of those training classes was there follow-up yep. to find out, are you using the skills? It was just assumed that they would use them. And he said, often we didn't because we had not gotten the practice, the reinforcement, and all the other things that are needed to really make, make it stick. Yeah, you know, and companies make investments uh, in good faith, you know, uh, pay for these events, pay for people to travel to these events. Yes. People to deliver the training. Uh, it's all well-intended. And, uh, you know, for the folks that come as participants, same thing. They come with good intentions and participate in this two-day event or three-day event, what, you know, whatever it is, with really good intentions. You know, they are interested in their own development and the company is interested in their development. But after that event's over, you know, unless I do kind of what you're talking about, really focus on practicing and and getting some good coaching and some good feedback and some good encouragement, I'm probably going back into default mode of, of what I'm comfortable with. Sure, because what happens is when you leave the kind of safety and isolation of a classroom and you're back at work, you get hit with all the things that 
you know, are, have been there all along. And so you're dealing with whatever the most urgent thing is that came up. And so when you're put in a position now or a situation where you are, have the opportunity to apply that skill, unless you're really consciously, you know, thinking about it, you're going to revert back to what you've done in the past. And so I think that that is just an important reality for people to appreciate. Also, it might be helpful if I describe a three-step process that is um, helpful when you're looking at making a change, because there is a formula for this that can be applied and, and really give you some good results. Yeah, please do. I, uh, I'll bet you uh, I know what it is because you've taught it to me and I've been using it. So, <laughs> so um, but it's, uh, I think where you're going with that is what I heard Stephen Covey say a couple of decades ago when I first started doing this kind of work that, you know, our, our job in, in leadership development is to help people go from knowing to doing. There's, there's that gap. Yes. What I know information in my head and what I can do actually executing a skill, whether it's uh, coaching or giving a presentation or whatever that that seminar was about, uh, that information by itself is not necessarily enough to translate into uh, what Covey called doing or what what I, I've heard you talking about, uh, hard, how to hardwire a skill. Mm-hmm. I hear you say that, Meredith. That's kind of what I kind of relate back to Covey. It's going from knowing to doing. Absolutely. And unfortunately, our educational system in general is geared towards knowing. Yeah. You know, we have these knowledge tests about absorbing this content, but not so much skill acquisition and skill practice. So for someone who's really committed to improving in a particular skill, the first thing is to focus on just one skill at a time and most likely the one that could have the greatest ripple effect on other areas of your life. But to be focused is really important because what we've seen is if people have three or four goals, you're going to get overwhelmed and not be able to really make progress in any of them. So once you focus on the one skill or topic that you want to work on, then getting information that will help you understand what does it look like to do this effectively? So, you know, what does a good listener do, for example? What is someone who is receiving constructive feedback? What does that look like? So understanding what the skill is supposed to look like when done well is really the first thing. And then applying it, like you said, knowing isn't the the answer, it's doing. Even though you may not do it exactly right, that's okay. At least you're getting the practice. So you're looking for situations where you can apply that skill and, and get a chance to see how you do with it. And then the third part is what so few people take time to do, Mark. It is reflect. Yeah. So to stop long enough after the event or the situation occurs to ask yourself some questions that will help you process that experience and learn from it. And so I'll be glad to share questions 
with your listeners that I think they could jot down and use. We've had people, you know, memorize these so they're able to uh, think about them when they're in a situation real time. And also for those that are parents, these are great to use with your kids to help them learn to think for themselves after they've made a mistake, which inevitably <laughs> they will. Um, so the first one is simply to ask yourself, what happened and how do I feel about it? So reviewing the facts of the situation and recalling what emotions were going on with you in that scenario. And then to think, why did it happen that way? Was there some trigger that, you know, pulled at me? What, what was behind that? And then third, what were the consequences? Did it turn out the way I hoped or was the outcome different than I would have expected if I had done it well? And then thinking about what will I do differently in the future? So you come up with a game plan. And so repeating that, focus on a skill and how to do it right, take action, and then reflect. So that repetition, just like going to the gym to build a muscle, the repetition of those three steps is going to hardwire the brain. And when we talk about hardwire, we're actually talking about physical connections among um, cells in the brain. And then they actually get coded with a, um, a coding that makes it um, permanent. So it's like learning to ride a bike. Once you learn it, you've got that wiring up there. You can get on a bike again pretty easily, no matter how many years later it is. So when you wire a skill, hardwire it, then and that becomes the comfortable way of doing it, you don't revert back to the old way as much. There are literally new connections in the brain Mm -hmm. that that the brain is going to travel down that new highway that you've created rather than the old one. Exactly. So I'm going to show you how good a student I've been, uh, Meredith, of yours. (laughs) So I'm teaching a workshop right now, and the current topic is coaching, how to be a good coach. And so I've shared some good information, but that's not my goal is to is to give knowledge to these participants is to help them actually coach effectively. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I taught some principles, I taught a methodology, but what's fun is every week I give them the assignment <laughs> that I learned from you, the focus action uh, reflection. So focus in my teaching is on Sunday night, identify a specific focus of who you're going to coach and on what. So that's the focus. They have to actually pick an opportunity to do some coaching. And the action is put it on your calendar and do it. And then the reflection is at the end of the week, do exactly what you said and just kind of ask yourself, how did that go? You know, what went well, what could have gone better? You know, what will be the consequences, the positive consequences when I get really good at this? Mm-hmm. So I apply that routinely in the leadership workshops that I do. And I will tell you, I literally today, uh, I had a practice session with with my group and their their coaching practice inside the workshop this week was dramatically better than the last couple of weeks. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, so I can literally see the improvement taking place following that focus action 
reflection methodology where they're just focusing on specific uh, coaching opportunity, doing it uh, and reflecting uh, with themselves. And actually in, in the, inside the workshop, they have a partner, so they reflect with each other. So that uh, I'm just saying that to, to let our listeners know that what you're talking about, I've put into practice and it really does work. And I've seen this with, uh, there's a credit union, another consultant was working with, and he was using our actual formal program, Strong for Performance, to create a year-long program in which they met twice a month. And, And during each of those meetings, they were focused on reporting out, basically, their reflections. They were living out loud what they had done in applying that skill and sharing with each other. And then the second part of that class was introduction to the next skill that they were going to work on for the next two weeks. So they focused on a different skill every two weeks and looked at how to apply it and came back and reported on it. So they knew there was this accountability built in. And what was interesting is before they started the CEO had been very concerned about the silos and the lack of communication across departments. And this wasn't even a huge company. So even in smaller companies, you know, these kinds of isolation uh, activities can happen. And the CEO was so excited about the results they got towards the end of the year that he immediately wanted to do a a second class with another group of managers because of the, he described it as a total culture transformation for the whole company. Just by a small number, I think it was like 10 people going through this class, but what they were applying and doing differently back on the job had a ripple effect with everybody they were interacting with. And so the power of this process should not be underestimated because it just makes a huge difference. And the other piece there, of course, was this fellow that served as the consultant and coach, keeping them on track, keeping them accountable. That kind of support is really important, whether it's performed by the participant's manager or someone else, or like you have structured Mark and yours with each person having their own accountability partner, but someone who's checking to make sure, yes, I did it. Again, just like going to the gym, if you hire a trainer, you're more likely to follow through and do the things that you know you need to be doing. You can't just say, oh, I'm not going to show up. I'm paying this person. (laughs) So there's an investment that's been made that really makes a difference. Meredith, you mentioned the CEO was very excited about what was happening, you know, inside that leadership development. So what's your experience about how critical it is to have senior leadership engaged and supporting leadership uh, development efforts inside a company? Well, it's huge. I mean, it, it, it can make or break the whole program because if people sense the top leaders are simply saying, do this, but it doesn't apply to me, or they're not modeling themselves the behavior that they want the other folks to exhibit, then the credibility is not there. And people have a different attitude about it, a different commitment. So I think it makes all the difference in the world. When I've seen 
the, you know, whether it's the CEO or the division head, but the person who's in the top leadership role for that specific location, when they introduce the program, when they stress the importance of it, I mean, it's just huge because the participants then sense that, hey, these people are serious. <laughs> I need to pay attention. I need to do something. I'm not just clocking in and, you know, warming up this seat here. I'm expected to apply it. And then, of course, the follow-up afterwards, Mark, not, not just the introduction of it, but showing afterwards, hey, we do expect you to apply this. We're going to provide you with a coach. We're going to provide you with time to, you know, interact, come back together as a group. In other words, the company continues investing in the process. And as people see that, they're less skeptical. They're, they're more aware that, hey, we're not out here by ourselves and there is this expectation that something will be different as a result of going through this program. You know, that's completely in line with my experience too, Meredith. My experience is exactly what you said. They're on board. They support the investment. They introduce the program. They actually walk the talk themselves. And they expect that people are going to take what they've learned that the company invested in their development and and put it to use. So there becomes that expectation. And and what you said is not an overstatement that that kind of support can make or break a leadership development initiative. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think back to when we introduced our 360 feedback tool and the most successful companies in implementing it, because it was a a fairly new concept back in the mid-90s. And when the company started at the top with the senior leadership and they got the feedback themselves and then they role modeled for their direct reports how to have a conversation about here's what I learned. Here's what uh, you identified as my strengths. Here's what I'm going to commit to improve. I'd like your support as I'm working on that. Keeping the dialogue going was really important. And that way, when they rolled it out to the next level down and the next level after that, people had seen what it's like to receive that information in a healthy way. And, um, and that made a huge difference in their acceptance of the feedback. In fact, their trusting of the process altogether. It's when they, the top leaders say, well, here, you need this, but I don't, <laughs> that uh, you see things fall apart. Yeah. And some pretty deep cynicism can mm-hmm. creep into when, when a company says, do as I say, not as I do, because that's really what you're talking about. Sure. It's sort of like parenting, right? It, the same principle applies. If the parents say, now you be nice or kind to others, and then they berate or criticize or, or use sarcasm a lot, there's a disconnect there. And with adults, they are more, even more aware and can explain it. Little kids have, um, they sense the difference, but they don't know how to articulate it maybe. Yeah. But with people in the workplace, they see that and they are not fooled by the conflict there between no, their toll as, and as, what as, people model. Yeah, as grown-ups in the workplace, we all have a pretty fine-tuned radar for, uh, for hypocrisy, don't we? And, you know, I just thought of something else that I think is really important for listeners in the context of this whole thing of development. One of the other things that I've heard people express concern about 
over time is, hey, I'm afraid to open up and be honest with people about, you know, where my um, weaknesses are or where I need to improve because they're going to think less of me. In other words, they think they are supposed to be perfect, (laughs) not make mistakes. And the reality that I've seen over time is that people will actually respect you more if you acknowledge, I need to work on this, because they already know it. It's a blind spot for the person who needs to make the improvement. Everybody else already knows it. So if they take an approach of seeking support, seeking help, and saying, here's what I'm going to be working on. Will you please help me with this? And I'll give you a perfect example of Denny in our company, because he had at one point years ago, even though we taught this in classes listening, he had some bad habits around listening. He would interrupt, he would finish sentences, and he did it with a lot of people. And so When we did a 360 in our company and he got feedback about that, he finally said, you know, I'm going to do something about this. And so we developed some ways to support him. Like if he started to interrupt, we would simply say, please let me finish. And that was a kind way to let him know you're interrupting without saying, you're doing it again. (laughs) So, you know, as somebody is working on a skill and it's something that is really a challenge for them, it's important for the people around them to really be willing to support and encourage them and even be a cheerleader when they do it well. So they can notice and comment about the changes they're seeing as the person is making them. Because we all need encouragement because we have blind spots and we don't see ourselves the way others do. When they observe us making improvements, that just really means a lot. It does. And as leaders who are charged with developing people, the more that we can be authentic about, we're all work in progress, it makes it safe you know, for, for people to say, this is what I'm working on and, and, and it's okay. Yes. Yes. Because if the leader is willing to say, I've got some stuff I'm working on, that really does make it safe for the people around that person to not feel like, oh, I've got to be perfect. I've got to avoid making mistakes. Because if that's the environment where, oh, I better not make a mistake, then you've got people paying attention to the wrong thing and productivity is going to suffer because they're afraid of getting caught doing something wrong instead of being focused on, you know, charging ahead. And if they make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, the best leaders uh, that I've ever worked with were good human beings, you know, and yeah. as human yes. beings, we are all work in progress. So that just makes it safe for everybody to keep learning and growing and, and just being authentic about it. Mm-hmm. I know for me, it's been a challenge to be easy on myself because I'm, I'm hard on myself. Yeah. And I realized one of the most important reasons for me to 
back off and lighten up is because I was coming across as having the same standard for everybody else. Yeah. And they, they felt like they couldn't measure up and it wasn't anything overt that I said, they just watched how I operated. And so there are these subtle things that we communicate sometimes without even realizing it, where keeping the channels of communication open and asking people, you know, how am I doing? Because here's the thing, if you don't remind them what you're working on periodically, they're caught up in their own lives and their own priorities, and they're not necessarily paying attention to whether you're doing something well or not, unless you kind of keep it in the forefront of their mind. So if you can ask them on a pretty regular basis, you know, if you were rating me on a scale of one to 10 right now for my listening, what would you give me? Just to do a quick 30 second check to, to see. And then if they say, Oh man, you're still a three. Well, it's time to have a conversation and find out what am I doing yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or not doing that's causing problems for you. So I think that's a critical piece of a person's development, that willingness to ask. And engage their boss uh, and, and people that they respect to, to yes. keep seeking that feedback. Yes. So that so that is on us as learners to keep seeking that out. And in, as senior leaders, it's on us to give people that opportunity to do that and to provide that feedback. Mm-hmm. Well, Meredith, great conversation. Uh, I know we could go another hour. Uh, <laughs> no doubt. Just, so Meredith, as we're wrapping up, what's the most important tip from the School of Hard Knocks that you went to that you want listeners to take away from this conversation? Great question. I would say recognize that it's going to take time to change a behavior or a habit or a skill that you've had that you have not been using as well as you would like. And be patient and kind with yourself as you make that change so that you don't make it worse by criticizing yourself and judging yourself with oh, I should be doing it really well by now, because this is a lifetime of developing that habit. And so I would just say, you know, be gentle with yourself. Don't expect too much too soon and give yourself credit when you do it well. And that's where the reflection is so powerful to slow down and take time to ask yourself those questions so that you can see that you are making progress over time. And isn't that really the name of the game is just always be making progress and evolving and learning and growing over the course of time? Absolutely. Yeah, we we have to realize we're never going to arrive at a specific place. But if we can, you know, keep growing, expanding and learning and applying, then we're going to be more effective in every aspect of our lives. You bet. So Meredith, I know that you all have some some good tools at performance support systems that really help support kind of the development process that we've been talking about. So how can listeners who are interested in what you all have to offer, how can they contact you? Well, the website is growstrongleadersplural.com, and that has information uh, for both of our Uh, tools, our 360 feedback and survey tool, as well as our online development 
tools. So that's the best place. It's got information about both of those products and they can connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the platform I am most active on and just look for Meredith Bell and uh, let's get connected and we can have a conversation. All right. Well, thank you, Meredith. As always, I I learn something from you every time we talk. And uh, I hope folks picked up one really good tip from you because there were many. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us on Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Be sure to connect with Mark Hinderleiter on LinkedIn, check out his leadership tip of the week, and subscribe to this podcast on the app of your choice. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.